Okay. Well, hello. Uh, welcome back to the don't hate. Don't. <laughs> oh my God! I just said don't hate us. Wow. Well, oh, we that's a throwback. <laughs> welcome back to it's all film and games, and we have a really exciting episode lined up for you guys tonight. Um, we're gonna be talking about three movies that have come out in 2021 and have been getting a lot of buzz on various social media platforms and you might hear your next door neighbors or roommates talking about these movies um and the movies we're going to be discussing tonight are uh Malcolm and Marie starring the almost uh I don't know I'm blanking on an adjective uh the amazing Zendaya and the <laughs> equally amazing John David Washington that's um, the best you could do that. Yeah, I mean, I couldn't. I, you have my such a way with words, right Samir. <laughs> Let me amend that. The supercalifragilisticexpialidocious <laughs> Hour and, Hour and John David Washington. Um, and then we're going to no, move on to him. Judas and the Black Messiah, also starring uh, two amazing supercalifragilisticexpialidocious leads in both Daniel Kaluuya and Lakeith Stanfield. Um, some of my favorite working actors definitely right now and finally we're gonna move on to another duo strong duo lead performance this time in the genre of comedy which i have sorely missed um and we will be talking about barb and star go to visit go to vista (laughs) del mar um with with a name more confusing than our first podcast name which i will (laughs) continuously forget throughout this episode um Three very thematically similar movies. Exactly. (laughs) Tonight, we were going to start off with a, you know, probably the buzziest movie of the three in terms of the social media attention that it's been getting. Um, And that is the Netflix release, Malcolm and Marie. I have a lot of thoughts on this movie. I know that Sam, Corey, and Dane also have a lot of thoughts on this movie. I've read their respective letterbox reviews, and um, I'm really excited to hear what they have to say, uh, because if anything, this movie will leave the viewer with a lot of thoughts. <laughs> Whether those are good thoughts or bad thoughts, um, I guess it's up to the viewer, but without further ado, who wants to go first? And I guess I disagree with Samira's introduction to it to a certain extent about it being the most buzzed about movie this movie has no buzz anymore. I feel like we well, like I mean, do, is anyone time. talking about I think yeah, well, I guess not, at the yeah, time not anymore at the time. Yeah, which yeah, which I it released with, you know, the Zendaya stands posting fan cams of her taking off her eyelashes I, I and now extensions. and this movie came and went and I have not thought about it until today realizing that we would have to talk about it again, which goes to my main point that it is just one of the most boring movies I've ever seen in my entire life. Well, here's the thing, just to just so to wait, back so boring, up, boring's an back up half a step. Or, well, I, I was just gonna say to Sam's point, you said that no one is talking about it anymore, which I I mean I, I agree with that. But something I also want to add is that when people were talking about it, it felt like everybody on earth was talking about it. Like I remember That's it true. was like for a weekend, every tweet I would see would be Eminem this, Eminem that, and no, not Eminem as in Marshall Mathers, but Eminem as or the in candy, Mark... <laughs> not the candy. Eminem as in Malcolm and Marie. 
Yeah, yeah, not not that dude. But on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat, Club Penguin, everybody's talking about yeah. Malcolm. Club Penguin right? was hot about this movie. Yeah, so right. hot about it. So that 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 was my point. That everyone was Corey, talking do about. You it. Di- Corey, do you not disagree that this? Do you disagree with the assertion that this movie is boring, or at least I guess boring might not be the right word. Maybe this repetitive. Is, no, I, I, this I is think it's the right word. For. I find it excruciatingly boring. <laughs> I'm just gonna flat out say it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Dan, Dan hit it on the head. It's, it's. I, I, I don't know if I found it boring only because, and this is probably the best thing I can say for Malcolm Murray is that I was so, I was so fired up watching this thing. Like, like. I think in this, in a sense, Sam Levinson succeeded with this movie because it, it's guaranteed to get a strong reaction out of you. If you love it, you probably really fucking love it and you would go to bat for it. If you despise it, which I think is pretty consensus amongst the four of us, like, I, I, I'll be honest, this, of the three that, oh, that we're going to talk about tonight, this is probably the one that has stuck with me the most just in terms of, like, I, I just, again, I'm so fired up about it. Like, I was, every moment in the film I was hanging on to because I wanted to yell at it and I wanted to get pissed off at it. Which Sam Levinson, being the obnoxious provocateur that he is, that might be kind of what he was going for. I do agree with you. Though. I mean, in terms of structure and 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 you say it's very repetitive, and I get that that is where where you could certainly categorize it as as boring. I mean, boring. There's, there's That's the definition of boring. There's, there's essentially four <laughs> segments. I mean, there's, there's four segments to this movie. I think four, right? Like it's I argument, like argument, a little bit of like like foreplay set to music. Uh, and then another argument, a little bit of foreplay set to music. Another it's argument, like, a little bit of foreplay set to music. It's like arranged like an essay. That, that mac and yeah, cheese looks so bad. Can can we yeah, go into oh the mac and God. cheese discussion yeah, so a little bit let, later? Well, yeah. So, I, well, no, I I want to talk. I think the mac and cheese thing is interesting, but only because it kind of makes the worst dialogue I've ever heard. Well, obviously, but I also want to talk about the. <laughs> what do you guys think about the black and white cinematography? Because it's the most yeah, okay. I think so needed. I think that it's obviously the movie, any movie that does black and white wants is a little self-important. I mean, like, it's obviously like trying to be like, look at us, we're in black and white. And that yeah. can often be really effective. But there's something about the friction between a bunch, like a craft mac and cheese being made in a pot and, and the black and white cinematography that I find really fascinating. And I'm not even really sure I still understand. Uh, I have an interesting theory about this. Yeah. <laughs> my, my, my theory about it which i think i told sam when he was watching this movie is that they didn't intend for this movie to be black and white but they had finished editing it they were like holy shit this sucks so they were like all right we need to to do something to salvage it so people can at least praise like the cinematography or something about it so they made they made it black and white after the fact because i really just i don't know i know for a lot of movies black and white is kind of used like like it doesn't earn its use of black and white. I'm not sure Malcolm and Marie does either. But to be honest, um, I'm gonna come out and be upfront about my concession here and say I do think that is the only engaging part of this movie in the sense that I did like. like some it doesn't of the shots look. You can't stuff. say it doesn't look good. I mean, it certainly looks good. It, it looks. But good. even that it looks good. That it's kind of this is how I feel about Euphoria. Um, and pretty much everything Sam Levinson has touched. Um, although I, I did enjoy Assassination Nation. I think Dane and I have talked about that before. Um, but for the, still, everything he's ever touched, he, he just, he's just really all about like visual flair. I mean, it's kind of like, kind of like Aronofsky. It's kind of what I say about Aronofsky. It's like he knows that he's compensating for sh- some, uh, some shitty direction or some shitty writing. And so he just oh throws my. a whole lot of visual flair. Wow, and Samir, like, what do you have to say to yeah, that? Yeah, wait, wait, well, here's what I'm going to say. So 
earlier on, Corey described Sam Levinson as a provocateur. I wouldn't use that word. I would use that word and reserve that word for Aronofsky, not for Sam Levinson. Because I think Aronofsky is doing something more than just visual flair. I think he's actually trying to do something with the visual stimulus. Oh, oh if you ask me to rank imposing. directors, I would put up Aronofsky above Le- Sam Levinson. I'm just, they, I, I would, I still would levy that same criticism at both of them. Yeah, okay. but see, I think the difference is that like, Aronofsky's actively doing the act of provoking, whereas I feel like Sam Levinson just kind of like, oh, what's hip with the kids? I'm gonna throw on a glossy yeah, he's just, filter. He's just a know? whiny, whiny, out of touch little bitch. To be honest, oh, like, that's oh my god, bitch. Aaron, such a bitch. <laughs> there are two scenes from this movie that I I actually very much liked. Uh, one being the Zendaya Zendaya knife scene, very good. I thought that was the best part of the movie, and I also liked the John David Washington. Uh, like bathtub speech about like the the um, motivations and like muses he drew from his personal life those well acted well written I thought if those were what the movie was it would have been interesting it's when they get into the fights that they tend to start overacting specifically John David Washington characters overacts like pretty heavily throughout it and that I can't really fault the actors because the writing's not good enough right exactly i was just say. gonna exactly say that right yeah so or, or that, an actor's choice like i kind of feel like that like i feel like they read the script recognize it as pretty terrible and realize they kind of have to do the most in order to salvage it at least that that's where i, I struggle because yeah. i also agree technically speaking both performances are good but it almost even that compliment feels misguided because it kind of just feels like mm-hmm. like especially john david washington like you mentioned sam He'll he'll tack on to every sentence like a random embellishment yeah. or a little flourish, or mm-hmm. whether it's like flailing his arms or just like raising his his voice to an a strange octave, almost as if he's trying to distract you from the fact that everything he's saying in this movie is just complete and total bullshit. So what I will say with this because I, I mm-hmm. and I I do think that this is like this is a whole can of worms with me because this opened up when, and I, I started thinking about, you know, I've, I've enjoyed Zendaya a lot in euphoria and I think she's like a really great actress. John David Washington. I've enjoyed him in prior movies in this movie, especially JDW's performance. I did not vibe with. Um, I just thought it was way too over the top, but then I started thinking about it more and yeah, it's true. I, I really can't fault the actors when the direction and writing is this shitty. But I started thinking about it and I was like, I think when you have the best actor in the world and the worst director, that's not enough to save the movie. But yeah, when you have the worst actor in the world and best writer and director, that sometimes is enough to save the movie. So... I mean, I know that, like, people have different views on this. Like, Alfred Hitchcock is a director that considers actors just sheep that he herds. Whereas Paul Thomas Anderson, the whole movie is the actor. Like, the actor carries the whole thing. So I know it's, like, kind of like a subjective thing. And to be honest, I'm not sure where I fall in that spectrum. But this movie kind of spurred some interesting thoughts in that direction. So I'm curious well, no, I th- to see I think- what you guys think. Yeah, I think it's a good point because in a movie that I think is is um, natural to bring into conversation with Malcolm and Marie, or not even a movie, but a trilogy, is the Before Mary. Trilogy, which I know we constantly, um, you know, we constantly talk about and, and praise on this podcast. And the reason I bring that up specifically is, you know, uh, most people are uh, people have, at least have, who have seen it are familiar with this that you know Richard Linklater wrote Before Sunrise, 
Um, but Ethan Hawke and Julie Delpy ascent like by the end had like rewritten his script or heavily altered it because they were so heavily involved in the collaborative process. And um, that happened, you know, by the by the time they made the two two other films, it was all three of them were working on and 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 creating this story and this dialogue together. Obviously, I don't know the exact nature of the collaborative process in Malcolm and Marie. Sam Levinson has said that, like, you know, he was grateful to have actors who would um, he would like call him out. Apparently, if he didn't, they didn't feel what he was saying was authentic. Although even that, I find it kind of hard to believe based yeah. on some of the crap in this movie. Because there, there's a power dynamic there, right, between right. the director and the actors. So like, yeah. but to me, the bottom line is, I do sort of feel like John David Washington, especially, but Zendaya also to a lesser extent, are just mouthpieces for Sam Levinson's crazy, Agreed. erratic, um, misguided, uneven, like, like aimless thoughts. Like this like, movie I, was. I, it's hard to view this movie as anything but a mouthpiece. Audience, I'm sorry, my audio uh, failed again. Um, Sam's not going to have to reenact me, uh, oh. but this conversation <laughs> on the actors and performances, um, I said that was the only thing I, I really liked, not really liked, but that I thought was only positive, but uh, sorry I let everyone down. Dane, Dane's the villain <laughs> once again, he continues to keep the train. I, I'm the down. villain, guys, I'm yeah. the only yeah. a top. Yeah, there's there's a lot of Italian undertones to this movie. Would you say, Dane? Maybe that's why you weren't a big fan. The the Italian undertones. Well, that's the thing. Like now, you guys have me paranoid about my apparent (laughs) disliking of Italians. But I have to say, I'm going to counter this in saying that I just started watching Jersey Shore. One of the best. I'm obsessed. It's really one of the best reality shows ever. Wow. That. I was gonna say that. So Jersey Shore might be my redeeming yeah. Italian yeah. factor. Overcoming um, your Italian prejudices by watching the most like yeah. stereotypical depiction of Italian. <laughs> yeah. <people>. So what? <laughs> see, that's the thing. Yeah, like true. most Italian Americans or people of Italian heritage, kind of hate Jersey Shore. Hate so the it's Jersey Shore. That uh, he he that's likes the only one you can Shore. watch on. Further distancing. Okay. Well, let's say, let's let's All right. let's, let's All right. direct let's our attention back. Yeah, to let's Malcolm get back. So I, I, I think we, I think well, we, yeah, yes. Yeah. So, we're so sorry, pretty, guys. We're in a pretty good. I distracted interesting the point. conversation, okay. but so yeah. But I, uh, I, I yeah. I'll just say like this. For me, this movie was dead upon arrival because at the end of the day, this movie is not about a relationship. Like they can try to tell me that this is about Zendaya and John David Washington's relationship. I don't I think they're good actors. They have like no chemistry. I wrote in my review of this movie that they had the chemistry of like me and a fourth wife like my fourth wife at like a wedding at Outback Steakhouse. Like this just like <laughs> feels like there's no love between the two. There's no like we 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 didn't mention it yet. It's very similar to Marriage Story. It's obviously been compared a lot. Like in Marriage Story at least you get like this relationship ended and it's sad because they loved each other at a point and there's <clears throat> little glimpses of love throughout it. This, like, it's just like the entire time it's like, well then break up. Like they're absolutely all- vile towards each other. In this yeah, no, I mean, no, they're that, absolutely it, it, vile. Like and there's and with, they can kiss each other as much as they want, but like you have to show the love in some way besides yeah. them fucking. Like and that's not I, there like, is yeah, like I there's agree. very limited there's there's very limited belief that that relationship was even a thing before this movie and but before the plot of the movie and it, it also with what you're saying goes along um before my 
while my audio wasn't working, uh, I said it. This is like the peak of what Martin Scorsese was saying with content because it's almost like Netflix just reached out to Sam Levinson and was like, "Hey, can you get something going with Zendaya to see if you can just I make mean, another that is exactly a, a what piece happened. to make this movie?" Well, no, no, you know, you know what's funny is that's what, what actually I find a little crazy, guys, and this is kind of what I think yeah. is interesting about this movie also Z- is that Zendaya that's not what happened. To, they, yeah, Zendaya well, reached out to Sam Lev when. Yeah, and when they were shopping, they didn't. This wasn't a Netflix original yet. They were shopping it around, and Netflix outbid A twenty four for this movie. Could you oh, imagine if this really? movie was, was really? I mean, like, but it, it just kind of goes to show A twenty four movie ever. I really do that want. Stinks. Do you guys think we would be as, like, I hate to say it, but I don't know if we'd be as critical on this movie if it had the A twenty four label slapped onto it. I'm sure there'd be a sort of Here's subconscious influence saying, uh, "Well, actually, a- it's kind of pretty." You know, I mean, I, I like to think I hate it regardless. A A twenty four has been pissing me off lately, so I will say that. Um, I don't, you guys haven't seen Saint Maud. Oh yeah, I'm but, not. I'm not saying they're yeah. above. They're above reproach. Yeah, um, yeah you but didn't like Saint Maud at all. It's, though, it's so easy yeah. to um, to hate a Netflix original. It's especially easy to hate a Netflix original as opposed to some yeah. other. Uh, so one oh, thing yeah. I like one one thing I want to say um, that I think is important, and one of my favorite Corey quotes is probably him saying that cinema is so linked quotes. to time. <laughs> well, I, I I think you were quoting someone else, maybe Nolan, but yeah. cinema is so linked <laughs> to time and the progression of time, and I think that's why Marriage Story works is because we get to see the narrative kind of progress, and over the months, right? They have these phases of like, okay, we love each other, and then we hate each other. And then we have a climax where we're really mad at each other. Like we get to see this happen over a span of time. To me, it's just right. not this is why I hate um... that they that they go through all this within a night where they have like these like regimented exactly. sections, and they, it just happens within like an eight hour span. Like it just feels so heightened and unbelievable. Right, it all happens. In, like... It essentially happens in real time. This whole movie, more or less. It's the same yeah. reason that I hate, uh, or at least the same reason I was disappointed in nineteen seventeen is we often mm-hmm. we think that these kinds of real-time stories are actually unique, but if anything, they're stripping cinema of the one thing it can do, which is manipulate time. Like, what's the mm-hmm. point of showing something as it happens? You can always watch something as it happens. That's just called life. Cinema mm-hmm. has the power to, to not do that. And so I find it pretty boring and actually disappointing when a movie chooses to, chooses to do that instead. Yeah, and it, 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 like the fact that they make it all in one short time span kind of makes both of these characters seem like so off the wall, like like almost like they have like I don't even know vendettas like, against like, each other. Yeah, right like, off the bat. just manic. exactly like just that's what I mean. Just... Like they are, it's not just a relationship fight. I mean, they are cruel towards each other. Like they are absolutely evil so towards like, each other in yeah. a so in a way that is yeah, just so, so like you said, unbelievable. Like, why would they be together ever if, if their relationship is like this? Like, <clears throat> or it's like, why would we want to root for them to get back together? Like, there's no, like, emotional stake in it. It's like, all you want at the end is for them to stop fucking fighting. And if yeah, that's the reason that's, to keep you in to the That was movie my is... emotion throughout the entire movie. Like, the first argument, I'm just like, this relationship isn't going to last. And that is in the first 25 minutes of the movie. And you get to the end, and it doesn't. It's just like, why that, did I sit through another hour, that's what's twenty h- minutes of this? So, so that's what's hilarious what? about the Zendaya quote, where she goes, "Nothing productive is going to happen tonight." Yeah, and, yeah. and, and <laughs> that's and, what. Well, I got. I want to. So, I, I opened. Do you guys, I don't know if you guys saw the article I shared to our blog, 
yeah. but I I opened my article for our blog. I wrote an article about this about this film that I encourage everyone to read. I think it's somewhere. Mustread.com. Yeah, tonight. I've read it. It's a great uh, article. I read it too. It's a great yeah, article. And I I opened with that exact quote because you're right, Sam. It's actually like hilarious that Sam Levinson would would admit something like that in his script mm-hmm. just to go on and create what I truly believe is the most unproductive film of all time. Yeah. <laughs> well, and I think we've, we've talked a lot that... about why this movie is so whiny. We should probably get into why yeah, we think that yeah. specifically. So like, that, I was what this, say, that, yeah, what this that movie is actually perfectly. about. So that segues perfectly yeah. into probably so the um, nothing productive is probably my second favorite quote of the movie. My favorite quote of this whole movie is something John David Washington says, and he says, "So that's what this is about." Because I think that that quote is so emblematic of every viewer's experience, viewers who have seen more than three movies, um, to understand <laughs> but only what the three. hell is going on. <laughs> what the hell is going on here? Because at, at that point, I too shared that same thought with John David Washington. And I was like, so that's what's going on here. Let me be clear. This is not a movie about a, an aesthetic couple having a relationship fight. This is a movie about Sam Levinson, who was mad at it, the white woman from LA Times, as the movie keeps reminding us, for giving him a bad review for one of his movies. Um, and then he uses black actors to make it about um, something he, that it yeah, tends he, he to be. Yeah, he hides behind race. I mean, I, I, yeah, I he hides just... behind race, which is weird. Yeah, which is I, why the, the, the collaborative defensive. process that we referred to earlier, you know, amongst his actors, I actually would love to get more details on that because I find that to be a really important detail. Because depending on that relationship, this movie to me has the potential to be considered like incredibly problematic. I mean, he's essentially... Like it, it's almost like a form of. I mean, maybe this is you can. You, we can even cut this if you guys find this to be absurd. But it's almost like a form of like minstrelsy to yeah, I was gonna, to like put yeah. forward no, two black actors and tell a story about uh, ostensibly about race when all you're doing is using it to uh, to really just complain about your own yeah. shortcomings and yeah, yeah. Well, and that's your own agenda. Career. Exactly. That's exactly like when he like. For, like right off the bat, like obviously white dude wrote this and directed it, and he, they're talking about race so extensively, extensively, and I was just like, all right, I'm already very critical of of what is happening, mm-hmm. and then uh, Washington starts talking about like basically that culture where and <laughs> and I, it just completely discredits anything the movie is trying to say because it like you said Corey, it, it is like yeah sam levinson is just trying to hide behind the fact that the he's trying to make a movie about race and there's a black guy talking yeah. about it it's just like one of, is so out of touch oh my god one of my favorite letterbox reviews for this movie sums up my thoughts on this specific subtopic of this movie perfectly and it's that sam levinson be like white people be like but Sam Levinson is the white people that be like, um, which I think is exactly what we're trying to say right now. Literally, though. It's like, yeah. this, this oh, yeah. movie is essentially an hour and 45 minutes of complaining that critics don't understand his art. And I'm not saying that that might not, that might be a frustrating feeling. Like, that that might be frustrating for critics to not understand what you were going for, or be fake, or be you know, not actually well-read on the subjects. I'm not saying that that's not, like, an, a, an illegitimate gripe. 
I'm saying that this movie could have been a tweet thread explaining why critics are out of touch, and that would have been important to the discussion. This movie cost a fuck ton of money to make. It took people's thousands of hours of time to make, essentially just so Sam Levinson could masturbate to the idea that he is right and everyone else is wrong. It's like, right. why, make, why make this I, it a is movie? like the definition of pretentious. It's well, like, it, it just so annoying. Oh my but, God. And I would also go as far as to say that it is also an invalid argument only because it's fucking 2021. I mean, like, like maybe in like the 70s and 80s, film criticism was this like huge like gatekeeping sort of industry where uh, the critics get to decide what audiences do and do not like. And even as someone who like would take a job to be the, a film critic at IndieWire in a, in a fucking in a heartbeat, I'm not even sure that film criticism really means all that much anymore. I mean, the fact that we can sit here and have this podcast and and potentially have our voices heard just as much as anybody else, you can <laughs> yeah. fire out a tweet. Technically, that, technically, well, we're film critics. Means, well, maybe not quite as much as everyone else. <laughs> no, so you know what I mean? Like, it's really, it's not yeah. even like he's really making all that interesting of an argument because who cares what people think of film critics in the year 2021? We're all just part yeah, of like, the same media. Media ecosystem, the same way some random Joe Schmo on his couch watching Netflix is. Well, and that's even when the movie gets close to making a good point. Even if it makes, like, because I agree, like there there are glimpses in there of like maybe starting to say something kind of interesting, but then in the next second, uh, John David Washington's character is complaining about how, uh, like you know, the male gaze couldn't possibly exist because a male director might actually be, be transitioning. transitioning. Yeah, yeah. It's, I mean, like oh it literally makes so the most dumb. absurd outright offensive comment. I mean, that's an outright offensive comment. It's, yeah, a, yeah, it's just yeah. absurdly stupid in every really way. Stupid. So, like, I I almost, like, don't feel like this film deserves like, the like the, our consideration as ever being smart or, or starting any sort of conversations because it is so, so stupid otherwise. Well, and exactly. Like, in, in that, with that line right there, Corey, whenever I was watching it, I was just like, dude, his his arguments here are completely invalid and it, it is just it's I mean that is literally it's the kind of argument just offensive to, to I, I mentioned this in my article that, that that argument sounds like the headline for like a Babylon B article you know like yeah, Babylon B yeah, it's, like the, yeah. it's like the conservative onion I mean like it's it's so yeah. it sounds like a stupid like 4chan post I mean it sounds like like a really like it sounds so immature and it does not sound like something that should be in a Netflix original release in the year 2021 yeah, what was your what was your interpretation of that final shot where they're standing next to each other? Are these two going to be together? Are they going to break up? What's up with that? Dude, that's the thing. Like I, the last shots of the movie, like you def the intent was definitely are they together? Or are they separated? And at that point in the movie, I literally was just like I don't care. Yeah, who cares? Yeah, who I was cares? like I, I really don't I really yeah. don't care. Yeah. Um. Because I was just like, she needs to get out of this relationship. The, and there's because... no growth to either of the character. Like, there's no like sense that they've learned something from this night before. If it's really just John David Washington saying like a very like milk toast, I'm sorry. Then like at the end of the night, like if that's really the journey that these two went on, who cares? Like they just like nothing right. happens. Well, and that's yeah, like, and I think that's an important point because. One, one of the things that I think uh, people, those who like this film have defended it by trying to say that um, if Malcolm equals Sam Levinson, then Zendaya sort of equals Sam Levinson, like acknowledging, you know, that like the absurdity of his thoughts and like, you know, like, you know, it, it, it's like his own apology, this film. But you hit the nail on the head right there. If that's the case, then use show some fucking character growth at some point in this movie. Like 
you can't just create an obnoxious character who does changes zero percent by the end of the film and pretend that this was your complex dissection of your own mind as a director. But wait, wait a minute, Corey. Wait, wait a minute. <laughs> so you just said something super Holy interesting. Shit. If people actually believe that, like, say that theory is true, let's think about that for a second. Sam Levinson, that means cast himself as John David Washington, which, and this movie is pretty reliant on race, but like that is like what we were having, that's super messed up that he brings an actor that's not the same race as him to play himself if this really is supposed to be him. Because yeah. then it's entirely making it about something that he has absolutely no understanding of. I mean, yeah. I know you can, you can say collaborative as much as you want, but it's just, come on. I mean, oh, yeah. I feel like we're stretching that Dude, word to on. its breaking point. <laughs> yeah. Um, Dude, absolutely. But At the end of the day, it's like, who is this movie for? Like, yeah. who is this made for? It's like, Sam I, Levinson. You can, I mean, that's it's it. made yeah. for Sam Levinson, and that's it. Like, it's not for black creators because it's not written by them. Like it's not for people that like romance movies. Cause there's no romance. It's for people that like to watch people argue and be miserable. And for like, I guess like pretentious white filmmakers that want to act like they're above any criticism. Like it's it's just, it really is like insecurity. Narcissistic, like personality, personality that is written into Washington's character, which I'm assuming is, has to be, what sam levinson struggled with at some point in his life because like on like and then never really, no, i mean it really is exactly what uh i think dane dane referred to this at the start and this is like i i think i brought this up in, in my blog post um and it is funny that it's it's so relevant right now because martin scorsese just brought it up again but that really is all this film is for is to be that classic sort of content uh you know netflix piece of content like that Netflix original that'll get buzzy and have a few fun screenshots sent around the, the interwebs for a little bit and then just recede into obscurity for the rest of eternity because it was yeah. never actually a good or memorable or long lasting film. At least the Marvel movies go somewhere by the end of them. Whether oh, it's the over whether <laughs> or not it's the overarching plot or whatever. Yeah, this movie they, it doesn't do anything. It doesn't do anything. Yeah. I will and say they, good final song yeah. though. The final song was really, really good. I was like, you know what? It's like for a split second I was like, Oh, that was kinda cool. And I was like, wait, no, I just like the song. Like, <laughs> my, I realized uh, my... that this is pointless. Okay. Well, let's close this discussion um by just a minute. Actually never mind. I was just gonna say let's close this discussion by shitting on Sam Levinson. But I feel like we're already done enough. Uh, I think I, I've got some brutal things. I'm, I'm kind of proud of that. Sam Levinson, him a whiny you're, bitch. It, you it, are must, a whiny it must bitch. just, it must just be something with people with the first name Sam. I mean, like, honestly. oh my god, <laughs> Dane. Oh my goodness! You, last week it was me comparing me to Ted Cruz. This so, week it's comparing oh, me that. To... That is a particularly damning comparison, especially after I know. the events of this week. <laughs> I know. I'm you about to hop on a fl- yeah. I'm gonna go to hop on a flight to go take my to be a chaperone to my 12 year old daughter no, living in Cancun. If what if Sam were ever uh, built his career based on nepotism and reaching out to his uh, his famous cousins the same way Sam Levinson built his career on on nepotism and his famous father, then then we can start We'd making have a comparison. That discussion. But, yeah. but for now, for now sure Sam's down in the doldrums with the rest of us. Well, with that, Thanks, guys. that was really sweet. <laughs> let's let's talk about uh, the second movie we have planned for tonight. A movie that I think is leagues leagues better, and that movie is Judas and the Black Messiah. Um, 
so let's let's get some initial thoughts out there before delving into some of the meat of the content or god content is going to become a banned word on this podcast the meat yeah. of the film yeah. no content um, from now on we don't produce content we produce we don't produce long form film analysis podcast <laughs> exactly that's I, that's what and and we encourage our listeners to um stop using the word content as well just to yeah. stand in solidarity with our good oh, friend Martin is. Scorsese. Marty. We love you, I Marty. I will say about Judas... <laughs> we love you, Marty. I will say about Judas and the Black Messiah, I Corey, on our, like, our episode about Ari Aster, was like, how lucky are we to be in the same world as Ari Aster? Is exactly how I feel. How lucky are we to be in the same world as Lakeith Stanfield? Yeah. This dude, he is this dude's the fucking go. He, like, he's I'm honestly one of my convinced favorite. I'm convinced yeah. he's the best act, current actor right now. Like, no, especially he's after this, so like, good. He I, I completely is so agree. unbelievably good. He is so. He really real. is one of my. He's so relatable. Mm-hmm. His his like facial mannerisms are so like nuanced and varied and interesting. It's crazy. He shows such great. He is. He is. I honestly think he's the best working actor. And I, I think Daniel Kaluuya is one good, of the best, yeah. But I'm he's actually really surprised that Daniel Kaluuya is getting all this buzz while Lakeith Stanfield isn't really getting much buzz as best supporting actor. And honestly, I think well, he's I, th- I think it's because they movie. submitted Stanfield as lead, and that's a pretty crowded um, category this year. That's my yeah. thing, at least. Like, lead is really tough this year because you have, you have um, Chadwick Boseman, Ho- Anthony Hopkins, and Riz Ahmed really stealing all the headlines. Uh, and so supporting actors where there was room wiggle room, but I believe that's you know they submitted Kalua that way and uh, uh, Keith Stanfield the other way. But I agree. I mean, I think both of them are fantastic in this. I probably yeah. do prefer Daniel Kalua's performance. I think he's a, it's a really? little more like like magnetic. I mean, both are amazing, but I think Daniel Kalua just has this strange magnetism in this that is obviously part of Fred Hampton's character, uh, but also just his performance that I found really impressive. Yeah, I always see a lot of tweets of. Uh people saying that they want Lakeith Stanfield to play <laughs> Joker. Oh, he'd be a great... And oh, he, well, that would like, be fantastic. I, I would love to see that. That would be like, fire. That he, would be fire. He really so, does bring so much range to all of his characters. Like, throughout this, the entire film is is just him from being, like, super charismatic to, like, having a glimpse of just guilt and regret to going back to being charismatic. And... I, he's just I yeah he's amazing in this movie. Yeah. Well, well, I mean, let me let me ask you guys so something. Many. Really quick, though. Yeah. Can I, ask, I do want to ask you guys something before we move on from their performances because um, this is the one criticism that 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 the movie has gotten, and it, it could be a minor one, but it could be a big one depending on how you think about it. So the real life Bill O'Neill during the events of these films was 17 years old, and the really? and Fred Hampton was 18 when he was assassinated or 21 yeah. maybe. He was very young. I, he was, I, I know. I, he, was he, he was. He was. A... Yeah. He, I think in the the ending when they um like say the like the afterthoughts of the movie, I, I'm pretty sure they said he was 21. Yeah, I think 20, 21. But Bill O'Neill, I, 21. I was he was 21. And they don't. They, they don't mention that. And really? I think. I think. I mean. I mean. Look, don't get me wrong. Lakeith Stanfield is amazing in this movie, but it's an enti- This movie is totally different, and the way you land on so many different issues in this movie to me is totally different when you realize that this was a 17-year-old kid being yeah. manipulated by the FBI to do these That's things. That's way more I mean, heartbreaking. Wow. I didn't it's know just that. A, I didn't know yeah, that. Yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a totally different story. So, yeah, I mean, it doesn't I, take anything away it doesn't take anything with Dan Phil's performance. It might take away from the fact that they cast him in the first place a little bit. Yeah. Uh, but I, I don't know, I just find it really 
Yeah, and I'm I guess like my overall thoughts about the entire movie is I thought like uh, overall like the entire movie is just solid. Uh, the the score, the direction, like I I my thought boy it was Quelly Quiz. Yeah, yeah, I thought it was, it was so good. Well rounded film overall. Yeah, that's what I, I feel. I feel it was that... very good. I, I I I'm curious to hear you guys' thoughts. Um, I I do think this is one that's getting a like heavy heavy praise. And it's already, I think, being considered like maybe like the best film of, of the year so far. I kind of disagree. It, it it might be, but um, it's Barbie it's just star, solid. Baby. It's just it's just uh, it's really solid. I don't think it's um at a, by yeah. any means uh exceptional. It's 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 perform without its performances, it'd be very little to be honest. Mm-hmm. But it's very it's very I, competently crafted, and it tells a really important story. I yeah, I guess I with my depiction as, of Fred Hampton a, with this movie that I kind of dislike is, do we really get a sense of fred hampton as a person besides what happens to him like that's kind of my disappointment with the movie is like like you know that he's this charismatic really magnetic leader like that's 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 always been how it we've seen him like i guess in contemporary like leftist society that's how most of us see him as but i really didn't get a sense of who he was as a person besides there's one scene where they say that he's kind of shy in in it. And I really wish they had dived. I know this is the classic Sam criticism with every single movie is that like, I wish they had delved a little deeper into him or his relationship with Bill O'Neill. I think it's a little, I thought it was a little underwritten, honestly. And, and I, I found myself kind of wanting more from, from that relationship and there, there's a little bit of a focusing issue, I thought. Like, yeah, yeah. Is it, the movie does pay a lot to follow will, other characters when it doesn't really need to. To me, the movie kind of like it tiptoes this line between like almost documentary like realism and then yeah. super confident direction that kind of like you see moments where it's kind of bursting with like energy and style. Um, but I don't, I, I didn't feel that it leans into one or the other, and maybe it might have been a better and more focused film if it picked one of those um and that kind of kind of relates to what sam is talking about in the sense that like if they had wanted to focus more on their relationship um like that could have been more of a focus but if they really did want to tell like the harrowing facts of what happened they could have leaned into that a bit more um so i I just felt that it kind of struck this like tiptoeing line and i just like ended the film wondering if um if they had kind of picked one, would it have been better? Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, it is worth noting it's not a biopic, right? Like it is mm-hmm. more of a historical drama. So in that sense, I think it's it's okay that we don't learn so much about Fred Hampton because that's not necessarily within the, the goals of the film. Yeah. But I, I, th- I, I hear your argument, Sam. I mean, there's certainly something to be said for it. I do think in terms of like Hampton's performance and just like the way or Hampton as a Lewis character, like, yeah. Um, I think he was, he was just so like, to me, he was so dedicated to the Black Panther party that really it kind of exceeded any type of personality that could have been portrayed in the movie. And I think it's even shown like in the more intimate scenes with, um, him and his, his girlfriend that they, she, she tried to get him to move away from the political activism that he was doing and in the end like that's that's what his life was devoted for he like he said he would die for for the cause 
you see i i liked that moment and i liked that, that, I liked that dynamic as well. um because that's a very universal theme that that transcends politics and race that i i yeah. always find fascinating in movies that actually really enough it kind of reminded me of like sort of what whiplash deals with you know whiplash kind of tells the story of like dying like, for a cause yeah oh he's like he's like i'm sorry i just literally can't be in a relationship right now because i just need to dedicate myself to my to my drumming um obviously he you know uh fred hampton never abandoned his um his, you know uh i guess it was just his girlfriend right but uh or or his his uh his his family in any way um but just that just that that's i find that to be a, like an endlessly fascinating uh theme in 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 storytelling is like just that pull between passion and personal life yeah can we talk I... about jesse plemons in this movie i like i dude this guy's the also one like yeah he's we'll a, look back this is goated, really one of the best go to the best dude. ensemble cast that we've had in a while like yeah jesse, jesse plemons, plemons is great he could do everything is fantastic dude he can do anything like he is so fantastic in this movie I mean, we say he can do anything. He always plays a skeevy motherfucker, except yeah. for in Friday Night Lights when he plays like the kind of dorky guy. Yeah, but yeah, um, I, I think that he is, we've just he is gotten. Such, yeah. And he's yeah, he's also ahead. more nuanced than I thought. They were just gonna go like. I agree. I agree, but I also th- I yeah. also on the flip side of that, I'm, I'm actually really glad that they don't lean too far in that direction. Mm-hmm. Oh, um, I think it's like the perfect amount. Right, yeah, like, it ultimately the movie look, it, firmly it establishes look, look like the estab- <laughs> everyone involved with the establishment in this movie fucking sucks. Like, and we are on the side of the Black Panther Party. Like, the movie is. I was surprised. I thought the Hollywoodification of it would make it very um trial of the Chicago Seven esque, which, by the way, mm-hmm. features its own take on Fred Hampton. And uh, mm-hmm. you know, they, it, there's even a, a slight allusion to it in this movie because they show Bobby Seale tied up in the chair the way he is in Trial of the Chicago Seven. Um, that movie obviously like. Joseph Gordon-Levitt's character is just this weird stand-in as like, yeah. uh, like see even like the even the 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 evil white man uh, can actually have a heart and at the end of the day understand the plight of of black people in the working class. Uh, but this movie doesn't really do that. Like it, I agree, it, it humanizes Jesse Plemons' character in a way that just makes for good storytelling, but it doesn't ever really let him redeem himself which i think is really important oh yeah, yeah no he's, I, he's I, obviously I, in the I wrong agree. with this situation I, I also i really love the scenes with uh just fred hampton speaking um particular, yeah particularly the moment when he goes into the uh church with the confederate flag i thought that scene was was very very well done just with the way like how how close uh the camera's framed on his face and just motivating motivating the entire scene is and yeah the the moments like that when he when he's speaking i mean daniel uh uh is it kalua yeah that's how uh, i always pronounce it does an amazing job at being such a charismatic speaker he's so enthusiastic and i mean just you know energetic what, it's awesome you you know what blows my mind that dude has a british accent I know, yeah. and yeah, that dude eats beans on toast, and he, <laughs> he is able to just completely like, like a perfect Chicago like, accent. Yeah, like just just completely fool like everyone, and like just put us in this moment, um, where he's you know we're just like working with an act, like we see the character, like we forget like that is a British person who normally has a British accent. Um, have, you, have you guys seen, have you guys seen widows? Have you guys seen that movie? I haven't no. seen it. Okay. That it's not my favorite movie, but I recommend it for his performance alone. 
And it actually reminded me a lot of this performance in that it's very magnetic. He's the he's kind of the antagonist of the film, so um, it's pretty much in the in the opposite sense. But uh, similar performance uh, and a really strong one as Yo. well. Another one of uh, my favorite scenes in the movie, again, when Hampton is speaking, it's shortly after he gets out of prison um, and he uh, um, is giving basically his his welcome home speech. And the way that scene is directed is amazing. It's flawless. That's yes. the best scene in the it, movie, it in is, my opinion. It, yeah. Shaka uh, King does such an amazing job at building tension with doing like the the back and forth uh, like eye contact with um, what is it? Uh, Plemons Jesse Plemons and and, and Keith is is awesome. <laughs> and then the uh, actress she who plays uh, Deborah Johnson, who is Hampton's girlfriend, um, her name is Dominique Fishback, and having her like cry and then like going into just joining in on the applause and chanting, I I thought that scene was so well done i i the just the way it builds tension is awesome i was I agree. I thought I was, for sure something bad was gonna happen that is the strongest part of the movie or of shaka king's direction i think is how he builds tension like i mm. think there are stretches of the film that feel pretty normal and i was thinking you know for a story about such like radical revolutionaries i wanted a more radical kind of film but i do think he he shows uh some flashes of that uh, in those those more tense moments, I mentioned this in my letterbox review. I thought this movie was at its best. You know, unfor- I hate almost hate saying it because it is not. It's not about the movie's not about this by any means. But I thought the movie was at its best during its like more action oriented sequences when it's doing these kinds of shootouts. Shootout or- well, yeah, uh, you, the the moment towards the end, like uh, where the shootouts happening in the factory and the the cameras following the cop. It's a very um, cool scene. Yes, and the, and the steam's going off. It was like it was like Batman almost. Yeah, yeah. I thought that that scene was also very well directed. Um, with like I, what I, I I'm the guy. The character's name is escaping me. The guy's name. Yeah, I'm um, Neil. Just kidding, you too. No, 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 no. No, it's, it's the other one who dies out there in the factory. He dies at the end. Oh, oh, oh. yeah. I, uh, um, I unfortunately. Right. Oh, and and I mean the shot that's gonna stick with me forever. I'm, I'm sure you could all agree. Is the when the actual assassination that this film is building up to happens, yeah, and the so camera sad. lingers on Deborah Johnson. I mean, mm-hmm. it's it's obviously heartbreaking, but it's it's the only it's you know when you watch a movie and you're like that was the shot. You're like that was like like there like there's the there, shot. It's like there's either a right answer or a wrong answer for Shaka King when directing that moment, and he found the the absolute right answer. Like that yeah. is the yeah. shot that you're supposed to to yeah. choose in that moment. Because um, if I'm remembering correct correctly, Deborah Johnson like steps into the frame the frame focuses mm-hmm. on her face yeah and i really the love background's that. out of focus yeah and she just and, flinches when she hears the gunshot yeah yeah that, mm-hmm. god that was so Damn. that was really hard it's to watch. so I, heavy it's so i haven't bad. been that angry watch yeah like angry at not like the malcolm and marie angry at a movie like that like furious at what was happening in a good way to the characters yeah in a good way in a really long time it, it's like actually gut-wrenching uh, yeah. that that scene I, and shaka king I, does it perfectly i i loved how they did the uh interview footage of O'Neal. yeah see that at the I was beginning it that. was it was the keith and then you like hear o'neill speaking and then it cuts to the actual interview footage so it, it it's very jarring to have like mm-hmm. beginning you see the keith and then at the end you see the actual um bill o'neill i thought that was very effective as well 
I mean, that's my, that's what's always going to live in my head. Like his answer. And then with the knowledge that he kills himself the night that that airs on PBS is one of like, I mean, that's just like one of the most sad and horrific things that life can produce. Like this man is trying to come to terms with what he did. And he really thought he was trying to help. But at the end of the day, like he realizes the grave mistake that like that will always be his legacy. And that's <laughs> that's just heartbreaking. But again, it yeah, doesn't no don't you it. even feel more complicated feelings about that knowing that he's 17? 17, I mean, that's just yeah. yeah it's so sad. God. Nuts. Yeah. Um, but yeah, great, well, great, great movie overall. Very, very. Yeah, and I was, and I want to, and I want to amend something I said at the beginning, where I, I was, I was downplaying how much I liked this movie because, I mean, again, I don't think it's, it's a perfect film, but it's actually definitely the best film of 2021, just because I've yeah, so hated far that I've watched this yeah, year so far. Well, there's um, been one I, really, really. Yeah, which, which <laughs> might, yeah, which might set us up nicely for our final film, but um, yeah, Jews in the Black Messiah, definitely the best thing I've seen so far this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think. Oh, I and last, wait, last thing that. I do. I just want to say this really quick too. I'm sorry. Is that um, I'm really excited about the like this like up up this is like uptick we're getting in movies about revolutionaries and just about mm-hmm. like socialist movements and stuff. I mean, I I don't think I saw One Night in Miami. It wasn't a great film, and it's even it kind of does do that more like college, kind of Hollywoodification of the story. But the fact that it centers on uh, Malcolm X talking so openly about the Nation of Islam and Muhammad Ali. Uh, you know, talking about his politics and stuff like that's you know that wouldn't have been all all too welcome in Hollywood just a couple of years ago. Oh yeah. I'm I'm on the other side. I'm I'm worried that Hollywood's about to just chew up these kinds of stories and spit them yeah, out yeah. just to, precisely so they can suppress these kind of movements. Yeah. But um, this I again I was actually surprised that Jews in the Black Messiah uh landed where it did and and came like, out even as talks about socialism. I was gonna say it yeah. meant it's like, a socialism. I, was, I thought they were just gonna times. not talk about that. And, like, and, yeah. I, and not only does it it like just say socialism like it it actually goes the lengths of even like why it's good explaining (laughs) yeah the some of the good the the goods of it and i was just it included fred hampton's iconic quote which is that you can't fight capitalism with black capitalism you can fight it with socialism yeah like that's that's a that's a pretty out like you know like radical quote for even 20 2021 america yeah yeah i i mean definitely i i enjoyed that I, i guess when i said that it was confident and like very like i don't know like very sure of its direction that's what i meant in that it it's so open about what's on its mind um but cory I, I do share the same fear where it, it seems as if like it's almost like when corporations co-op things they just kind of yeah. sometimes get reduced to what they shouldn't be reduced to um which is a completely different discussion, but I really hope that doesn't happen. Yeah. But I am excited about. It's like, what do you do? Um, I mean, like, you need yeah. Hollywood to tell these stories, but as soon as they're telling them, they've kind of co-opted them. Yeah. <laughs> um, Luckily, well, I don't think it's of... too bad in this movie. <laughs> well, speaking of Hollywood and Hollywood products and Hollywoodification, um, I think that that is a perfect segue into talking about the final movie of tonight, uh, which definitely tonally and thematically is, uh, is an outlier. Um, and that movie exactly is exactly the same. <laughs> and that movie is Barb and star go to Vista del Mar. <sighs> Where to begin with this movie? 
Oh, I know where to begin. I know where to begin. Dane knows where to begin, so let's go to Dane. Okay, guys. I have not laughed this hard at a movie. Facts, Dane. Pro- well, since since uh, Good Boys, that was probably the last time I remember having a solid gut guttural laugh. Um, it's been a minute since I have seen an amazing, irreverent com- comedy. And I know two in, on, uh, on this podcast disagree, but I... Because they're big babies I, and they I, don't like anything. I laughed the entire movie. I I genuinely really, really enjoyed Barb and Star. I was watching it and I was like, this is like Austin Powers meets... It was like if... if Austin Powers did like an origin story on Kristen Wiig's character, who is like uh, Brick's Brick Tamlin's girlfriend in the movie in Anchorman Two. It, I, <laughs> I, yeah, I just laughed and laughed and laughed the entire time. I, I'll I'll get in here too because I am the other person on this podcast that really really loved this movie. I. I honestly thought this was the funniest movie I've watched in like the past three years. Like I was the same thing with Dane. I was laughing. Like I was laughing the entire, I was laughing the entire time. I, I do think the first half is, is funnier than the second half by a pretty large degree. Um, Not the, not the first scene. The first scene is specifically very unfunny. The one with them in the, in the, um, the the place they work that was a really on, cool on the scene. chairs is very and awkward I, yeah i was i was kind of scared i was kind of scared that yeah, the movie I was just too. wasn't gonna be funny but dude there are times that i was literally laughing so fucking hard during this movie like <sighs> i thought the the trish plane dude, i was in tears was one of the fu- was one of the funniest jokes i'd heard in a very long time the whole um secret agent that didn't want to reveal his information but kept revealing more and more about him like i was laughing Every single time he talked, I thought that was really funny. And just in general, I thought, like, Annie Mamulo and Kristen Wiig's dynamic was just hilarious. And more than anything, watching this movie, I was like, movies can be fun. Like, I can just sit here and have a good time watching a movie. And I was just, I was just having a blast the entire time. Like, even at times where I didn't think it was as funny, I was just like, it's so full of color and life and fun. And I can't wait for Corey and Samir to try to tell me that this movie yeah, isn't so, fun or full of life. Well, yeah, let's so go, let's get I, Samir because Samir, yeah, okay. I, I think, will at least be a bridge between our our two our two sides. Yeah. Okay, so, <laughs> so um, I do agree with some of what Sam said, and when I my first reaction to the whole movie, like after I finished it, was like, wow. Some major 2007 vibes emanating from this movie. I almost so readily, like, the first movie I thought of to compare it to was the SpongeBob SquarePants movie. And I say that, <laughs> and I was thinking about that comparison. And I think an all time great movie. And I yeah, mean, and that, that, it that is that's a, a movie that I really classic. love. Yeah. yeah. And I think this movie is like why I said Hollywood and Hollywoodification is because it's so, like, structured and regimented that you know exactly where it's going and what's going to happen like act one act two act three it's going to be jokes of course. here like we like it, it almost plays out like a like an illumination movie or like despicable me or something like that because we've seen 
like the buddy. Okay, let's not compare it to Despicable Me. Okay, well, wait, holy shit, Samir, you're some bridge you're being between some bridge you're being between us and Corey. So, 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 what I will say is that the first forty-five minutes of this movie. I hated with a passion. Dude, I was no. like, "You're what? wrong." Listen, You're listen wrong. to me. Listen to me. Listen to me. I was like, "What is this Karen humor? Like they're just doing funny voices." Like oh, I was like, them. "What is going on?" But after that forty-five minute mark, it it won me the resident Grinch of this podcast, self-proclaimed resident. Like like they keep saying in the movie, or self-proclaimed genius. Was that in this movie? Um. I don't know. The, but... official, the official couples joke. So funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, this movie Dude, was so I'm just, funny. I'm so, remembering this and just cracking Oh, it's so funny. I know. I love Dane. Can I start shitting on it yet? Or, uh... <laughs> so, well, no, shut the fuck well, up, Corey. I, I'm, I, I'm about to... Like, so what I, what I was thinking is that the first 45 minutes, I thought was just kind of very hard to like... I was like, okay, like it's fun. I like the vibes. I like the one song. So once that song came on, I was like, okay, all right, that was interesting. Is this going to become a musical? Fortunately, there weren't other songs, but it well, continued. There, are two. there was two songs. Oh, there well, should yeah. have been more songs. I do agree yeah. with that point. There, there should have been, been more, more songs. songs, but I really liked like, the way it looked, like the bright colors, and I was like, okay, this is fun. Like At least I'm having fun watching it. I wouldn't necessarily call it funny. But then in the second half, there were some pretty decent chuckles or anything. So I guess my final take on this is that I definitely don't find it like as gut splittingly funny as Sam and Dane. Um, yeah, I'm I actually so it. shocked. I don't know, like, yeah, I, I agree with you, Samir, that like it's like I had some really solid chuckles. I think there were two scenes that, uh, like, first of all, can we agree that the best scene in almost any comedy and the best scene in this movie, I think. Or is any time like, our up. main characters go on drugs and get fucked up? <laughs> yeah, yeah that, that part is so funny when they finish that is, the... That's, that's definitely the, the, the funniest part, when they finish that drink really quickly and then they take the pills and like the editing yeah. is really funny. Dude, and moment. the booby song? You can, Corey, look into the soul of my eyes and tell me the booby well, songs were not hilarious. The booby song, so... song is funny the first time and then I actually I didn't find it funny yeah. again after that. It was hilarious. So the, here, and then here, the third time when question, he's talking about all his friends play. dying from high school, that's hilarious. No, yes, that's... Here, here, to me, it almost felt like this movie. This movie thought like like things happening was enough. Like it's like the joke. Oh. It's like the joke was that this that a crab was talking. The joke wasn't like that. We're like like we're not gonna write a good like funny. We're not gonna write a funny script on top of that. Does that make sense? Like 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 the I, joke is that a, the joke is that a musical number is happening, but the musical number itself is not going to feature anything anything funny. I so mean, like, uh, I, like I don't know. It just like it felt I, I it felt like the movie could just ride it. its it could ride its own absurdity to the end instead of like actually giving you some properly well written jokes, which is surprising coming from Kristen Wiig and even Annie Momola, who you know uh, co wrote um, I believe she co wrote Bridesmaids and a they both and another notable comedy as well. Say- so like she, than, she's a, these are two great comedy writers, but yeah, I didn't. More, I thought that, if anything, the writing is the weakest part of this film. There's not actually any many good jokes inside of it. I, I think there's like I so the, many oh jokes, my God, you but, such but, but like so, there's, oh, there's a lot like of a jokes, joke. way too many jokes. Yeah. <laughs> there's like a oh, joke. Oh, a, a comedy has way too many think, jokes. Oh my God. And, but the, but the thing is, like thirty percent of them are good. Which I think, but the th- but the thirty percent that are good are pretty funny. Like, I think a moment that I thought was hilarious was um, when he's like narrating that story and they're trying to get untied. Then every moment they like look at him and they stop and they make like a big gesture. 
Um, yeah. And even like the the end with with the kid, like um, I guess when he breaks into song, yo, it's yo. such a great note to end on. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's just full of life. I, I did like I liked Theon when they were lying to each other and they both told stories about a turtle. I thought yeah. that was funny. yeah, that yeah. was fun. yeah, that was really funny. Yeah, it's and just, then and then the like, flashbacks, the part. Wait, wait, can we just talk about the montage scene of like their friendship when they're dying and it's like showing like the sexy Mister Peanut and like uh, yeah, showing yeah. the turtle swimming around and showing Don Cheadle. Like, they yeah, like they're Well, that's what I was gonna say. If there's the highest praise I can give this film is that my girlfriend and I all day today have been talking like Barb and Steyer. Like we can't stop. We can't stop like saying any any like any noun that has an a vowel in it. We keep saying like Barb and Steyer. So in that sense, it's definitely a stuck itself in my head. My main point: you actually didn't think that like the Trish. The Trish joke on the plane wasn't well written. Wait, that was what hilarious. was the Trish joke? I what? what? I, th- well, dude, I, I, the Trish I forgot joke the Trish was so joke. funny. I, I, thought, the, I thought the Trish stuff had a good. It had a good narrative payoff at the end, but I didn't think it was funny ever. Oh my god! What was no, the, the fact that they're joke, like talking about like a metaphor? They're talking about like a like an abstract version of Trish, no, they, and then it becomes it more, is... and then it becomes more and more real, and then at the end they're like, and she looked breast cancer in the face and i was well, like that's so i thought it was like kind of i thought it was weird i don't know I, well I, essentially what? The, the, no the tr- that was funny samir the trish joke on the plane is essentially they they both have the same exact imaginary best friend they've they've of trish uh, yeah of, of and, trish. and it becomes more and it becomes more real and fleshed out as time goes and oh, it like right, turns right, right. from just like trish is always there for you she, you can always depend on a trish to like Trish has breast cancer and she fights yeah, yeah. it. I like, that. Yeah, Dude, I thought that joke I, was so I, what I, I, I was laughing the entire time. Talking about like their names, Barb and Star. I love the uh, like Bojack Horseman esque uh, jokes where they'd go, "This is Barb and this is Star, and this is my friend Edgar." <laughs> i almost feel like that was like almost the films uh like i agree that's technically like those moments were were pretty funny but that was almost like it's it's um it's vice too is because it's almost like the this the film had to limit itself to always using a certain kind of noun in order to to make that joke and and therefore half the like half the jokes weren't even funny because they were exactly. just too busy so, like let, making them fit into like their their contrived accents. Mm-hmm. I just that's can't exactly you're so wrong so about something that's, for you. That's just like that's just like main, well, I'll never be able to understand it. I love being the joyless point, asshole of this podcast. My main takeaway from this entire thing is that like with the jokes, like the jokes felt at least to me like they're all jokes to some extent, like structurally I've heard before. So like when they'd say it. I, I'd be able to kind of guess the punchline. And that brings me to my main point, yes. which is the fact that is our bar for comedy in movies just like lowered now? Because no, this movie is money. No, 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 you're no, such no, 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 Samir's right. No, Samir's no, no, I can. We, we have no, this movie is this is a fresh take to say this is just an iteration. Listen, have, have, you, seen have, a, have you guys no, seen, this green, have you guys seen the movie Greener Grass? Are you familiar with the movie Greener Grass? No, I've heard of it. Um, It's. I, I highly I highly recommend it. It's I it's I think it's a better take on this kind of like absurd. It's like an absurd version of of a suburbia where everyone just acts super outlandish and the editing and it's, it's really colorful and flashy and then the editing is kind of like this movie to support that idea. Um, but I I do have my qualms with that movie and it's the same qualm I have with this one, which is just that 
and this is kind of like I think has to do with the the Christian Wiggs SNL roots maybe, but it just more feels like a series of stitched together sketches than it does a coherent narrative. Like it's constantly just throwing something new at the wall. It's like okay, fine yeah, here a uh, musical number. That's right, like now, Austin like, Powers though, and that's the most one of the most beloved see, comedies ever made. Like, that, that's, that's, like, that's, that's that's really important that you're comparing it to Austin Powers. When did Austin Powers come out? Like those that series, <laughs> right? So exactly. Oh my god! I know those movies. God forbid any movie takes any any single influence from another. All right, all right. You you shoot on Greta Van Fleet every day for sounding like like okay. Because Greta Van Fleet is the exact same (laughs) fucking band. Listen, I like Barb and Star, and I like Greta Van Fleet. So (laughs) come on, guys. I like. If you're trying to make me mad at Dane, it will not work because Dane and I are united about being happy and joyous and like about how great this movie is. the the movie what I'm captures saying. that like like the Austin Powers essence of comedy that I mean is is quintessential for that that time period and I mean you may say like comedy needs to like evolve to a certain extent and uh, w- well but, like, n- not it's like it's ahead, like Samir. when well, I was just going to say that, like, people say that, like, obviously it's the thing, like, comedy doesn't age well. But I think there's another facet to that where it's, like, not, like, related to, like, offensiveness or anything like that. But just, like, I feel like certain time periods have certain comedy-type, like, bits and, like, c- like comedy-like vibes to them. Like, for example, like, I think of, like, Shrek and Shrek 2. And it's, like, this, like, fun action comedy and there's, like, a joke every minute. And, like, the joke, like, the setups for the jokes kind of feel similar and i feel like as time has gone on we've lent on more to like this like almost like absurdist humor more in movies where it's not like a written bit is the joke but like something about it like like tim and you know that show like the awesome show with tim, tim and eric, tim and eric like, yeah, yeah tim and so awesome like show. that's a type of vibe that I, i've been seeing more and more in movies in the last five years where the comedy is kind of after the joke ends you're Which is weird because I actually I love abs- like absurdist comedy like that's actually pretty, like like I, sorry I, to... I I'll be honest guys I went yes, to this movie thinking yes, I was gonna be obsessed to with it because um I love that kind of stuff I felt like Barb and Star wasn't really willing to fully commit to the bit the same way those other ones were like like well, yeah, it, it, I, you I, could I'm you could sort of you sort absurd. of get a sense of where some of the more like studio influence came in because I do feel like whenever it, it started to to really get absurd and goofy is when it was really like finding its stride. And then it would yeah. kind of get back into a little bit more of like a conventional comedy. And it, it, as a result, it just feels like it's a no man's land. Yeah. My point is that it's not absurd at all. Like it's kind of so like stuck yeah. to this conventional mold, which I don't think is a bad thing. Like I love, I not love the SpongeBob SquarePants movie. Are you I love, me? I love Austin Powers and I love the Shrek series. My point is that it's a fun movie. I would even go so far as to call it a pretty funny movie. But I will say, I think it's 14 years too late. If this movie came out in 2008, it would just be another Redbox DVD rental you would watch on TiVo. Listen. It's no McGruber. <laughs> it's no McGruber, I'll, I'll tell you that. But like, for, for me, like the, the movie... It... Like I do think it is just genuinely funny, and there are moments too. I, same, like, it's funny. With, it's with, funny. With, like, it's funny. We're, we're tying it back to like Austin Powers and being like a, a a comedy of its time. Like Austin Powers to me blends like physical humor, outlandishness, and like well written comedy to a T. And I mean, you could argue that the movie 
isn't like as well written as like in Austin Austin Powers jokes, but like the like when when the alligators are about to attack them and they jump off the cliff and their pants turn in the <laughs> parachutes, dude. I just uh, so I'm, silly. It's so silly, so goofy, and it fits to their characters because like the entire movie they're talking about what are they called like. Colettis, Colettos, yeah, Colettes, 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 yeah, Colettes. They open, they open with the definition of a Colott. Yeah, like opening with the definition of a Colott. I thought was a really good opening. There's a movie, right? Like Beavis and Butthead do America. It kind of follows that same structure. Like it's oh, these two weird characters, and then they have this big adventure, and then there's this funny payoff at the end, and it ends in like a big song. Do you see what I'm saying? That it, how it's like it's very structured and very conventional and packaged, but that's not a bad thing, right? I I didn't I, find I it safe too, though. Like the, I the agree movie, with you, Samir. I I do think that they're, dude. One of my favorite. <laughs> I I'm just I'm thinking of so many moments now. One of my favorite moments is the second musical number when Edgar starts like dancing across the lawn that's and funny. Cin- so funny. cinematic deep dive right here. The first thing my mind went to was Zac Efron dancing bet on to it. bet on it. I and, will say I yeah. thought of that too. And I yeah. <laughs> like the shots of him like being a pro- like a, the doubles like a professional dancer. And, like and that's that song kind of slapped actually. Not gonna lie. Yeah, no, it was <laughs> that, fire. That, that, I thought that was hilarious. No, and the whole official. I thought the whole officials like official couple that he was so like focused on the term official couple. I thought that was funny throughout it. Like I thought. Yeah. Oh, there's absurd. like a gag like, a minute. There's a gag a minute. I just thought, movie. I don't know. It, there's some of the gags to me though were just a little too easy. Like, like for example, when uh the villain is reading a book that it, that says like how to convince someone to love you when you don't act or that you love them. I thought when that you was don't funny. Act. See, I don't. I didn't think that's funny because to me it's like, yeah, I get it. That has been the joke this whole movie, and like now you're just like you're just you're just explaining it more explicitly. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, like, I like, thought it's, just, it's, 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 it's pretty low hanging. Yeah make those kinds of I even <laughs> i laughed can we talk can we talk i feel like we touched on it i feel like we touched on it a little bit what was your guys's opinion on the the like secret agent guy that just continued to like give his information as time went on like the the level of jokes they went into that like i like on the package that says like this is the the antidote and then in it goes like height 170 what, or like height six foot four weight 175 in parentheses damn it like i thought like the the level of jokes and like the levels that they go into it i was like this this is just joyous like they put so much Maybe attention I was just in a bad it. mood because well, like it's like i can't explain why that was unfunny to me but i just didn't i just didn't laugh at it and that's an- that's another i thought that was so funny I, I did think the movie was super funny is like it also just parodies like what would like essentially be the like modern like spy thriller type movie yeah the final moments when it's like barb and star on the i can't help but even uh almost say it (laughs) um when they're on the jet ski and then it cuts back to the edgar and uh damian wayne's character just like just rolling, rolling around. around on the ground like it's supposed to be this epic fight scene <laughs> but <it's- laughs> i love the little cutaway yeah, there. oh, oh no. so funny the other cutaway yeah, Dave, go go keep I'm, saying I'm how funny it is that i thought i know it's so I funny i love this movie was when they have the tr- when they're tripping and like the music is like the titanic song 
I thought that was so funny. And or honestly, it, you thought like that they were because they're so innocent. You thought they like wouldn't have had sex or anything. Yeah. And they're like, how many times? They're like, oh yeah, we did it a fuck ton. And, and they were just like, she's like, like, yeah, you guys cornered Barb's, me in this. Barb's like, did I slap side. your ass last night? Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah uh, well, I, I, I rode you like a donkey. I was yeah. <laughs> but what, real quick, what I wanted to say was during the trip scene, like the music's like going, and then it hard cuts to the to the women in the All circle three at the book club. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, that, I, I the book club was funny. The the yeah, that was a funny cut. Was pretty funny. I thought they, that was a they, good cut. I yeah, love or that. Or like when they win, when they win the loud gale into the thing, it's like, it's six o'clock, now we lock the doors, and she's like, I'm here, and she's like, you know the rules. See, I, I didn't necessarily find that funny, but I did find it funny when Gail is still there, like, a few minutes later. And yeah, she was like, like, Gail, oh, that's amazing, and she stops from outside. <laughs> uh, I yeah, thought it was funny. was funny, like, I thought the character Or Phyllis from The funny. Office, she was funny as well. I thought the character scene like, was funny, because, like, she, she tells him to stop moving, and then she hands him the caricature, and it's like, like oh, it's like yeah. a blurry picture. Um, yeah, I mean, <laughs> she's hey, like, like, oh, I can see why talking wasn't good. But but here, yeah. wait, here's my last question I have for you guys because this is another thought I had. So obviously, you know, the t- as the title even suggests, it, this is like a buddy comedy at its core. But to me, what ever, what makes every great buddy comedy great is the is that we have two distinct buddies. I don't like. I honestly like. So I'm pretty sure Christian Wig is star, right? And uh, Annie Mamula is Barb. Although yeah. honestly, you could tell me the exact opposite right now, and I'd be like, "Like, I don't." No, you are correct. I have no recollection, like, really, of what distinguishes either of these characters, and the, the movie doesn't distinguish them at all because the idea is that they're best friends to do everything together, and everything's the same. So I understand that. But think of like, I think the other guys is like a, an example of like a pretty funny buddy comedy from when you were growing up. It's a great and the movie. idea was that uh, Mark Wahlberg See? and Will Ferrell were obvious foils for each other. Uh, you know, we could go through countless buddy comedies. The idea is that they're they're foils for each other. These characters are just identical. Do you think like, it has? I think that's the thing. That, well, like, let me say, like I maybe no, I, I wanted to ask. I I, I kind of feel like they're they're at their best when they do have that 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 feature, but maybe they yeah. Don't I have. guess see that's a disagreement. Like, I, yeah. because they are the same just, character. I also I, 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 I don't I think the my I just don't think the movie cares really. Like when you have Beavis and Butthead do America, it's just these two like. Quirky, they're the like, same fucking character yeah i feel like that movie and well, this movie are so similar and like they actually are pretty so similar, yeah. I, similar to so many other movies thing is, in that kind of genre like yeah, if they weren't so similar a lot of the jokes in the movie just for for me like wouldn't have landed like the entire trish thing is all centered around the fact that they are the same person or on the same way the, yeah, the fact the that they're wavelength. on the same wavelength that they created the same exact imaginary best friend and, and like, they're both obsessed with edgar and they both do very similar lies to try to get yeah like the whole turtle like, thing. like time they, with they them yeah like, end up on turtle like <laughs> the the it's like the gags are uh, I love funny dane's, here's the thing. i love dane's smile Dude, look i'm at just him, i'm cracking Corey. up just just like, thinking Corey, like some of the deliveries on the lines like uh, don't oh get me wrong God. i wish i derived this much it's, joy from the film i was i was hoping yeah. to get that out of this i i also miss like that mid-budget comedy that has used to dominate yeah. the box like, office. see my my definition of this movie is like the mo- the movie when like you're just scrolling through and no matter where it's at like i could turn it on and just have a solid like i could watch a half hour of it and get a good laugh in there like that's how i want like i want like the mascar to me yeah like i want to watch this with all my friends now like this is like the perfect like have you guys watched barb and star like i just want to watch it with all my friends and giggle like my expectations were also very low like i didn't even know it was getting good reviews until you guys had sent 
uh, that it was get, that we should watch it. And I was like, all right, uh, I'll check it out. Like my, even right before I hit play, my expectations were low, and I I was floored. To kind of sum up my thoughts on this, my ultimate prediction is that literally no one will be talking about this movie two months from now. <laughs> Um, just because oh, it's, I, I'm sure it, it, it doesn't. I don't think anyone's talking do about it, it now. Honestly. And not to mention the fact that it's twenty dollars to rent, and that's the only. Oh yeah, I wouldn't have watched it. That's absurd. I was say I wouldn't have watched it if Sam didn't lend me his account. <laughs> Sam, yeah, did you pay? Did day. you pay twenty dollars to watch? Oh this my movie? god. Okay, okay. I'm I'm glad this got brought up. Okay, <laughs> okay. So let's hear it. My, my okay. So if you want to hear about the fight, my dad and I got in. So my dad <laughs> was like. I was like, guys, we're going to watch a movie tonight. It's called Barb and Star Go to Vista Del Mar. It's with Kristen Wiig and Annie Mamulo. It's supposed to be pretty funny. And we get to it, and it's a $20 rent. And my dad goes, absolutely not. And he's, you know, my dad. He's just like this crotchety old leftist. <laughs> and he's just like, he's just like, no, we're not watching this movie. And he's just being a big grump about it. And I was like, dad, I will pay for this movie. Like, I will pay for this. We will watch it on my dime. I want to watch this movie. And he's like, absolutely not. And then, get this, we're watching the movie. My dad is, like, giggling the entire time. And at the end of the movie, like, my mom, sister, and I were all like, that was hilarious. And my dad was like, that was moderately funny. And I was like, <laughs> and I was like, and I was like, awesome. I was like, and I literally got up and was like, fuck you, dad, that was a funny movie. And then I left. And then, but, yeah, the $20 price tag was, uh. Was probably too much, but whatever. Just, well, yeah, I, watched, guys, I, I did not. Pay please, it, it's it's not going for the exact kind of vibe, but please watch Greener Grass if you liked this. Watch Greener Grass. I think okay, you'll have a, okay. a, at the very least you'll have a very strong reaction. To so it. also, okay. I I do want to say too. I wonder. It's on Hulu. I wonder if watching a comedy, especially of this nature, if watching it alone is gonna hinder how you watch it because Samir did you oh this was made to be seen in the theaters a hundred percent oh guaranteed I I, yeah, I watched was... it with my roommates and and uh one friend and we were all like seeing it with people we're just like all bouncing off of that. one another so like I, I yeah, definitely giggle, yeah I will say Gabby long. Gabby agreed with me Gabby and I were on the same page that it, it was like like chuckle worthy but not all too funny um, oh, my, I saw it with Trish. So one of my uh, <laughs> uh, dude, also the so fact that Trish was Reba McIntyre. So <laughs> yeah. funny. Um, and it was uh, oh, one so of good. one of my uh, shit. Now I don't even know what I was gonna say. Oh, I was um, that the movie is good. I I love the movie, but um, <laughs> yeah, it's almost like it's a hard, like you know. Whereas we can sort of reason our way through some other debates about you know holy motors and persona and even judas and the black messiah you really can't like it's either you find it funny or you're done. yeah 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 100 yeah, i agree um but it was fun to yell at you gonna for say something bit, I, Fair I, I uh i, I would not that. i would not be surprised if the golden globes being the way they are hindering to their audience if barb and star host the golden globes that would be fun but <laughs> oh, they're not that, but, that, but, i i know oh my god the other, that a pretty similar version of them, though. I mean, Tina Fey and Amy Poehler have a similar kind of shtick. Yeah, I agree. Well, it seems like we all really, really yeah. like this movie again. <laughs> so glad to see that we converted some of the naysayers uh, to Barb and Star Supremacy for the best movie of 2021 so far. I gotta say, I though, so. we're, we, I... we may be less than, uh, you know, or just under, you know, what, two months into 2021. 
But I mean, you guys remember our very first episode, I was I was kind of vouching for 2020 as like a pretty good year for film, believe it or not. So far, I hate 2021. I haven't seen a single oh, thing. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing well, that I well, saw this year would be ranked in my top 30 of last year. Yeah, pretty much. I, yeah, Judas I and think, the Black Priest. Actually, Bright hey, Star would make hey, it into my top 10. Listen, guys, I, we're closing uh, discussions here, but I talked about a cult classic I love, and that's Mortal Kombat. And the new Mortal Kombat trailer just came out. <laughs> it looks pretty cool. And I am so excited for that movie now. I don't even care if the story is good. If if the action and how it the way the action's filmed, the if that if that's good, I'm I'm content. But I'm my my hopes Finish are up for that. But that's Finish my you. Mortal Kombat shoe in for the uh, for the podcast. It it, it does look yeah, intriguing. I, I I will say I I'm, I almost feel bad because this this whole Warner Brothers HBO Max thing is really fucking fun. Like it's pretty cool that it is. They're constantly coming out with new trailers and the movie comes out on streaming and then you can just watch it. But I feel really guilty saying that because I uh, you know I'm I'm not happy about it as a a film yeah, lover. Well, we and, uh, I as mean <laughs> anti capitalist. <laughs> What I I think we've discussed some very interesting movies uh, tonight, and we had a great discussion about them. For me personally, I'll say that 2021, so far, um, hey, maybe it's holding back its cards, and down the line, <laughs> we're going to get to see a lot of great movies. Because I do think this year looks super promising in terms of the movies that are supposed to come out in the later months. I remember... Um, I hated, like, I thought 2019 was going to be the worst movie year ever because the first three months of 2019, I was like, every single movie sucked. And it ended up becoming one of my favorite movie years in, like, modern times. Um, So 2021, I think, has potential still. I'm obviously not going to rule it out. But I think it's definitely, in the first two months, produced, uh, and we're not even done with the first two months yet, three definitely very interesting films that I think that I'm glad I got to talk about and hear your guys' thoughts on. Next week, we have another interesting episode, and uh, we might have a special guest joining us. So, oh, wait, can I say one last thing that? before you, you log out, yeah, Sinner? Because I, I think this is just you know, good for our listeners to know is that Nomadland came out on Hulu today. today. So it is now, yeah. anyone can, can go and watch it. It's pretty much the frontrunner for every major award this season. We talked about it um, in a couple of different episodes. Um, and so I think people should want to go seek that out. I wrote a blog piece about it that was completely, completely irrelevant to most people because no one had seen it. So uh, hopefully, I, you know, you know, people can now check that out and get something out yeah. of it, uh, you know, because that is going to be um, a pretty like it's just a necessary film, I think, for film fans to see in, in the weeks to come. I just thought people should know that. Yeah. yeah. And uh, yeah. I do want to say one other thing, too. We're going to be a Snyder super Pat. cliche podcast right now. Um, but if you like what you're listening to. Leave a five star rating and type a, uh, oh, a comment. Oh, good job, Dan. Um, uh, and let us know your thoughts because you know we're we're a up and coming podcast. We might not be coming. That was going to sound really weird. We're I was about to say. <laughs> I was about to say we're not going to be coming anywhere. Um, but, uh, <laughs> uh, twenty twenty one, we're coming everywhere. Yeah, we're coming everywhere. everywhere. I don't know what you're talking about, Dan. We're coming everywhere. everywhere. Webcam. <laughs> Covered, covered. Sticky keys, <laughs> sticky keys. No, no place left uncummed. 
Um, if you, I have an idea. How about too, the best review? If people leave reviews, the we'll p- next episode we'll pick the best review and gift them a guest spot on on a future episode. Ooh, yes, good call. yes, yeah, I, good I, one. I, that's excellent. I like it. Yeah, I like it. So yeah. leave a so, good review and and maybe you can have a special guest feature and become a celebrity on this podcast. Right. <laughs> so you you heard it right there. Like, support, share, subscribe, support our Patreon. We don't have a Patreon, but that just seems Our like only a very fans. podcast. Yeah, that, that seems like a very podcast thing to say. Um, but yeah, <laughs> so I guess on that note, with webcams and coming everywhere, it's all filming games, and we'll we'll catch you next uh, next week. <laughs>